Hello and welcome to Dismantle Racism, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. And we really want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. And today's episode, we're going to be focusing on do what you can. As always, I'd like to get us started by reminding us to breathe. And so if you would center yourselves just for a moment, I invite you to find your breath, to tune into that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with divine wisdom and your sacred source, whatever that is. Just notice your breathing and notice how you are breathing, and the thoughts that you're having as you breathe. As you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are a part of a shared humanity and you carry within you the power to heal and to be a part of changing the status quo. Breathe in and out, acknowledging the power of one contributes to the power of community. Now take a deep breath in and sigh it out. Arthur Ashe once said, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. His powerful words encourage us to move from those places of fear, complacency, stagnation, ignorance, and move more into consciousness, being courageous, and engaging in committed acts. And often people wonder, where do I start? And they believe that they are powerless to change or they're powerless to dismantle racism. Yet, if each one of us starts where we are and do what we can, our daily choices can result in radical changes to the status quo. So my guest today will share some of the many ways that he has practiced dismantling racism on a day-to-day basis, both professionally and personally. So I'd like to welcome my guest, Don Bliss, and share with you a little bit about who he is. He is a social worker and an activist, and he's been so for almost 40 years. He has been employed or volunteered in the private and public sector, worked in government agencies and outpatient uh, psychotherapy clinics, and he has experienced working with people with many different types of problems and people who are just different than he or you or I. And that difference is what helps to shape his activism. He is an extremely curious person and an adventurous person. And he asks a ton of questions much like myself because he wants to know more about the individual. He's lived abroad in Africa and South America and in parts of the United States. He's actually lived in the North, South, East, and West, and he is fluent in Brazilian Portuguese. He's a very passionate person when it comes to human rights and civil rights, and he loves working and advocating with marginalized people Don firmly believes that every word and deed can make a difference, no matter how small what we do matters. I'd like to welcome my guest today, Don Bliss. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here. Don, one of the things that I start out each week with is asking my guests, how do they ground themselves? And so specifically, I want to know that whether you have a sacred practice that actually grounds you and really influences your decision to be an activist. So it's really kind of a two-part question. 
Yes, my, uh, you know, I think my, my most important sacred practice is actually connecting with uh, nature. Nature really um, sustains me and calms me. And I find um, walks in nature or sitting in nature particularly rejuvenating. But I also um, appreciate being involved in spiritual communities and I'm usually involved in well, always involved in one or two spiritual communities, and I enjoy um, a lot of the inspiration and the, the meditative messages that I, um, and interactions and, and all of that that I receive through those practices. I, I do have a daily meditation. Um, just connecting with myself is, and, and my humanity in that is what would influence my activism because in connecting with my own humanity, I am better able to recognize and connect with the humanity of others. I so appreciate you saying in connecting with your own humanity because one of the things that drives the work that I do, I believe from my place of sacred source, there's a scripture that says that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe that often we can't love our neighbors because we don't truly love ourselves. When we love ourselves, we don't have to live in this place of fear of the other or think someone else is going to take what we have because what's meant for us is going to be for us and we can share with one another. So I really appreciate this acknowledgement of your own um, humanity that really drives you uh, to do the work that you do. Want to ask about your own self-transformation in this area. Much of the work that we do as an advocate or an activist usually comes with self-transformation. And typically there's some event that sparks us that says, I have to pay attention to this. There's something wrong with what's happening to this group or in this situation. So tell us a little bit about uh, your story. What's your story so I feel on one hand um, that there was not a seminal event, um, so to speak, because I grew up in a religious tradition in which uh, the uh, awareness of the suffering of others was very important and in which charity, charity towards others and charity um, uh, in general was very important that the denomination itself has an extremely rich and profound history of charitable giving and, and charitable organizations. There are all kinds of charitable organizations affiliated with this um, particular tradition. So I grew up with a sense that, um, you know, there but for the grace of God, go I, was something I often heard growing up. And so, again, this profound awareness that uh, it wasn't all equal. Everything wasn't all equal across society. I didn't have a personal sense of that. I grew up in a small town. Uh, there was, I think, one Mexican family, Mexican-American family, one Black family in town. Um, so I didn't have a personal experience of that uh, until I went to college. And I really did not have a sense that there were communities within my country that did not have the same opportunities, that did not have the same, um, that were not treated the same by society, by the government. I had no, no personal awareness of that until I went to college and was a, randomly assigned a roommate from uh, a, a, a culture that was very different than mine. He was a black man from Flint, Michigan. And um, I discovered this, um, I discovered that there are subcultures within the United States uh, that, that were not one monolithic culture. And that there, um, among these groups, there are many different experiences that are, you know, there were many lived experiences that were very different than mine. Mm. And this was a revelation to me. 
Mm. So in fact, there was something that sparked a change in you. Yeah, that sparked like an awareness because yeah. I, I encounter many people, particularly in my role um, as an adjunct professor, I enc- encounter a lot of students who've never, ever been in a class, first of all, where they've had a a African-American professor, but they've been in schools where they've not seen another person of color. And, And what this actually does is that it limits our ability to reach beyond ourselves and really have an interest in the other. So it sounds like for you, when you moved out of your small town and you went to college, that opened your eyes. I dare say that actually having a roommate also impacted you because what if you didn't have a roommate who was different from you, but was the same, perhaps it wouldn't have sparked, but there was something about that relationship that encouraged you to be an advocate. He was very, he was very different from me as well. And he was very open to who I was and what my experience was. And we became very close and he had his running buddies from, you know, his high school sports and whatever he was involved in. And, and some of them came to college, you know, where, where we were, and I didn't know anyone. And so I naturally fell in with him and his friends too. And so it was just a completely unique and, and um, yeah, wonderful experience. So what accounts for, and we will have to take a break in a few minutes, but I've also met people that once they have had, once they got to college and they had a black roommate, they changed roommates. What accounted for you saying, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stick with this and I'm going to be interested in the other person? Well, to be quite honest, I think that people uh, respond to differences fundamentally in two different ways. There's either a fear or a curiosity. And as you mentioned, I am a pathologically curious person. And, and I was open and I was, you know, I wanted to know about this other, other, um, what am I trying to say, like thread of life, this other, you know, a slice of life, you know, I, I, I was curious about it. I wanted to know about it. And I was having fun, you know, I, I enjoyed hanging with him and his friends. And so, you know, for me, there was no question, but I generally have a response to differences that way. I want to know more. I'm not afraid. Mm. And and I'm not afraid of what they might touch in me. I would say to our listeners, then, uh, one of the things you're saying is let curiosity overrule the fear at times. When it comes to something like this, we can't do it in every situation, but we can be curious enough about the other to want to know them and to explore their culture. We have to take a break. We will be right back with my guest today, Donald Bliss. I am your host, Reverend Dr. TLC. This is Dismantle Racism. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m. So tune in on Talk Radio NYC. 
listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with Dismantle Racism. My guest today is Don Bliss. Don, you are a social worker, so you understand the importance of self-transformation and the work that we have to do as individuals in order to change our lives and to change the situations around us. And I wonder throughout your process of becoming an activist and getting to know the other how has really doing the work changed you? What have you What have you learned about yourself in particular as you have traveled this road of becoming an activist? You know, I think the most important uh, learning for me about myself is just how fearless I am and how fearless I can be. Um, I, you know, I always knew that I was a curious person, right? Um, but it's almost like the more that I see of life and the world, the more I want to know. And I, I love knowing about people's lives and people's experiences. I, I know I want to understand as much as I can how your experience is different from mine and how that might inform my general attitudes, you know, my political attitudes um and and that so i i almost feel like the transformation for me is just um making me more and more open and more and more curious and more more and more fearless Mm. say a little bit more about the fearless piece because what are some of the things that that you've done so it's great to be curious because lots of people are curious about the other what are you doing with that curiosity? Because we're talking today about doing what you can. So what's been some of the things for you that you've done? Well, I do, uh, I, I go places that other people, you know, wouldn't go. I, I do things that other people might not do. I, you know, I'm one of the white people who can say I've been the only white person in many situations and not just in this country, of course, but in various situations in this country, events, whether those were, um, you know, community events or, or social events, or even, um, you know, like more intimate events, more intimate gatherings. And again, in this country and out. And so I have much more um, exposure to mm. the lived experiences of other people and what it's like to be in, you know, um, in their world. Mm. And so that has been a tremendous gift to me mm-hmm. and certainly informs what I do and how I think mm. about issues and about problems. Right. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more a little bit later about just some of the things that you've actually done, because it's great that you can mix and mingle with all different types of folks. And that certainly dismantles racism to an extent, because it informs, as you said, what we do and how we think about the other. And so for those of you who are listening, it is important to understand that each step we take towards seeing one another as, uh, in my perspective, as divine human beings and that we all have this shared humanity, it helps to inform not only who we talk to and associate with, but it informs other things that we do on a day-to-day basis, who we decide to vote for, for instance, who we um, decide to engage with or buy from. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that later, Don, what what some of the day-to-day things that you do. But I want to just ask you, in this, this, this fight for social justice that you have, 
And I know you pretty well. And so I know when you talk about being fearless, that there are times in which you are absolutely fearless and you just kind of go in. Talk to me a little bit about maybe what have been some of the difficult experiences that you've had doing this work with dismantling racism or really being an advocate for other folks? Yeah. You know, I just want to go back really quickly to um, make another point about what I just said. You know, it's like, it's like this. We hear white people say that racism doesn't exist, that racism is over, that it's, you know, it's not as bad as other people say. If those white people even experienced a, a tiny bit of the lived experience of Black people in this country, they couldn't say that. You know, that's coming from a place of someone who's only moved in white circles, mm-hmm. predominantly, overwhelmingly white circles, mm-hmm. because there's no way that you can talk to Black people in the United States today and think that racism is over, you know. So mm-hmm. that that's how important I think experiences are, life experiences and being open and willing to be in those situations that might not be your usual situation. Mm. Donald, before you before you answer then the question that I asked, since you, you brought that second piece in, it it also moves beyond just talking to a black person. It moves to relationship. Because I can think about plenty of white people that I know who would have no idea what my lived experience is like because I may know them as a colleague or I may know them in some other setting where I'm not talking about my lived experience. So I, I just want to add that that relationship is important. And so when you talked before about, you know, going to a party or engaging in, in situations where you are the only white person, that's because you have a relationship with that group of people and you're invited into those circles, Right. Absolutely. Because it's yeah, certainly absolutely. different. You don't just show up and say, right. hey, this is a black party. I'm going to go over here and hang out. Yeah. No, that that may not work out quite as well. So I appreciate you adding to that point. But I'm curious about the question that I asked you in terms of difficult experiences. Would you say that you've had some difficulties along the way in advocating for racial equity and social justice? You know, I really, I don't consider any of the challenges that I've had, whatever they might have been, to be difficulties, quite honestly. So, you know, I may have been called a name for being in one of those uh, situations or experiences we just talked about, or, you know, I may have, my friends might have been criticized for bringing me into that situation or others might just wonder what the heck I was doing there and so I have experienced some what I'll call negativity uh, in some of those circumstances but it wasn't I didn't experience it as a difficulty because it made sense to me you know Mm. I didn't I didn't uh I didn't take it personally and I, I understood it, you know, I mean, that's a logical question. What is this, you know, what is this man doing in this situation? Or it's a natural curiosity. And so I didn't even, yes, there was discomfort in the moment, of course, Um, no one likes to be called names or feel like one might be at risk in some way in a situation, but um, it, at the same time, it, it, yeah, it, it didn't feel like a difficulty. And, you know, the other dif- difficulty I, I would say is, you know, I'm, I'm a big personality. <laughs> I'm, um, I can be very intense and, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very curious. So as you noted, I think, you know, I, I might ask a lot of questions and, um, and sometimes I don't know when to be quiet and, and just, you know, um, be present without having to, you know, know more or whatever the situation is. So, you know, I recall 
and and in that way, I can take up more space maybe in a, a room if there are others who are not as comfortable speaking up or asking the questions or or even jumping in and and trying to do the work. Um, you know, it's uh, if if I'm being too big, you know, in the ways that I can be big, I'm not leaving room for others and not leaving that not 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 embodying an invitation for others to be mm. so yeah what what i've learned from that and um and you know i have to say a, a black woman whom i respected greatly kind of took me aside at one point and that's really where i where i really got it you know i mean i knew that and i still know i'm still working on it as you as you know but um, but I really got it. You know, you don't always, I don't always have to give my opinion. Mm, mm. You know? And that's, it, that's really a valuable lesson, particularly for white folks who are listening, who want to be advocates. There's this place to speak and there's a place not to speak. Because one of the things that we often talk about in the Black community is around this white savior complex. And so there's this part where white people will come in and like, yeah, 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 I want to help or want to speak up for us in a situation which, and where we're more than capable of speaking up for ourselves. And so there, there's this delicate balance that has to be played because sure, there are times when we are, for instance, in a meeting or boardroom somewhere where we've made a point and folks are coming down on us about the point that we've made. Yes, it would be nice in those situations to often have a person to say, yes, well, I agree with Terrilyn, but also to understand the difference between supporting me and an idea that I have or my voice or when there's been blatant racism and you don't say anything versus saying, I have to be the one to be her voice. And what happens is it takes the relationship, it takes understanding the culture, you know, to know when you've kind of taken over versus um, when it's okay for you just to let it, let it be. I wonder, and we do have to take another break, that's really one way of understanding missteps that we make in this work of dismantling racism getting to know what's appropriate to say and not to say. After the break, I'd love for you to discuss if there have been any other mistakes that you've made along the way or missteps, because one of the things in terms of my listeners is, is that, that they often worry about making the mistake, worry, worry, worry that I'm not going to say the right thing. And we have to move beyond that. So I'd love to know if there have been other mistakes and how you've pushed through those mistakes. But we'll take that question when we come back from the break. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you a cannabis enthusiast, a cannabis professional, or interested in entering the cannabis space? I'm Johnny Tsunami, and this is Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. On our show, we will discuss the cannabis world through the perspective of various cannabis professionals. Tune in every Thursday evening, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., Talk Radio NYC, Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauber, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today is Don Bliss. Don, we were talking right before the break about some missteps. Taking up perhaps too much space uh, is one of them, but what might be some other mistakes or missteps that you've made in this journey to help marginalized people? And then how did you push through those mistakes to continue doing the work and not stay in this place of, you know, guilt or shame, or I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I think uh, the most important thing I did was to not personalize things and not take it personally when someone called me on something I said, or, um, yeah, um, or wanted to talk about a political issue for, for that matter. But I think it's really important to have, um, as we were talking, connections, real authentic connections with people who are different. And in those connections, one is free to make mistakes without judgment and trusting that the other person knows your heart and knows your intention and accepts that you're ignorant, you know, on some level. I mean, just to be really blunt about it. Um, there are, uh, you know, a lot of racism for me is born of ignorance. Um, there's just, you know, like white people can say that it's over. Racism in the United States is over. That's just pure ignorance. They, they don't, they clearly are not educated and they aren't talking to black people, you know, <laughs> And um, and so, you know, I have had, I have been um, blessed in my life to have many people. I can talk with um, people of color, uh, black people, but also people, you know, various of uh, various backgrounds, with whom I could talk about these things, and also who could ask me anything that they were curious about and wondering about and needed to process about why white people do the certain, you know, things that they do or, you know, whatever it is. And, and all of my friends have, uh, know that they can ask me anything and I don't, um, yeah, I don't judge ignorance. It's just a lack of, it's just a lack of information. It's a simple mm -hmm. lack of information. And so I don't, react to that and again my my friends haven't either um so that's that's an important piece i think is having genuine authentic connections with people who are different so that one can learn mm -hmm. and one can learn about their lived experiences without personalizing it and without taking on guilt because so, the guilt is mm, what I, I love that you're saying without personalizing it, and I wanted to just pick up on that point because one of the other things that you're saying is to let go of the ego that would get in the way. And I, I you use this term, people are ignorant. I know that that is probably hard for a lot of people, but white people in general around this work, because often what I hear in my work and what I know about the research that's looked at categories of what defines whiteness is this idea of perfection. And you cannot be perfect if you're going to do this work around dismantling racism 
and to be an advocate. So I, I, I would love for our listeners just to really soak that in around letting go of the ego, letting go of being perfect and increase your awareness. Because like you said, a lot of it is related to ignorance. Now, there are some people who are not ignorant of racism and willfully know what is going on and they continue to engage in it. But I think for the most part that there are more people out there who want to do good, but like you say, they just stay in this place of uh, unknowing. And I have a colleague uh, who's actually been on the show, Dr. Martin, uh, Dorothy Martin Neville, who will often say that people choose ignorance. They choose to remain in that place. So I'm thankful that you've chosen not to remain in that place. I am curious though. I would also add though that a lot the people a lot of people don't know where to go for more information or don't know how to pursue it, you know. So some people are stuck in that ignorance, but not uh, you know, not with malintention. Mm, of course, but, yeah. but racism so that even and we don't have to judge ig- ignorance, you know, it's just a lack of knowing, it's a lack of information. We don't have to say, you know, what do you mean I'm ignorant? It, no, don't personalize it. You know, it's not about that reaction. It's about, yes, I am ignorant of that culture. You know, mm-hmm. yes, I am ignorant of that dynamic. Yes, I'm ignorant of that factor. Let me find out more about it. So Don, that's a really good point. Now, I just want to say that racism doesn't require uh, intention, right? right. Because, mm-hmm. because often we're unintentionally right. racist. But you just said something that's really powerful, and that is a lot of people don't know where to go. So what would you suggest to people in your uncovering of yourself in becoming an activist? What would you say to folks when they say, I don't know where to go and what to do? Well, I would, um, you know, it depends on where you live, much less so in this internet age. But, you know, um, I really believe in um, getting out of the ivory tower, so to speak. It's great to read. I think that's really important. I think knowledge of the past, as someone who loves history, as you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by history, endlessly fascinated and curious about it. And I think history is very important, but I often say, um, if somebody comes to me and says, like, how can I learn more about this? I often say, don't read about the past, read about what's going on right now. Because one of the things that reading about the past does for white people often is it gives them a pass because, Mm -hmm. oh, this was in the past. You know, I know this is not happening. We don't have slavery now. So how could it be so bad? Right. So, you know, they see the past and they see the gains of the past, you know, and how far we've come from what was and they don't see how how, where we are now and how far we have to go. So in terms of educating oneself, like more intellectually and, you know, like book education, I I don't want to say I dismiss the past, but I don't I feel like the present is a lot more important. You know, what's going on right now? And, you know, um, it takes seeking out information, but on a more personal level and um, more local level, I, I would encourage people to get involved in organizations and to pursue relationships, friendships, genuine friendships, and, and not from a, um, not from a perspective that, you know, there's, there's, you don't want to be coming to people as if they're your lab experiment and you're wanting to know everything that, uh, that, you know, you might want to know about this person or whatever, but just connect on a personal level and let it go where it goes. Because if you're being genuine with someone, you'll eventually get an invitation, you know, and they will know, they will be open to your questions, you know, Mm. you're, you're what, you know, for you are perfectly innocent questions, but you know, for others might not be. And I also want to make the point in that, that Black people aren't aren't responsible for educating you about, you know, white people about Black folks, right? Mm-hmm. It's white people's responsibility for that. But, um, you know, 
there, we do need people of color in our lives who are open to our ignorance and okay with our ignorance and also don't judge our ignorance as we don't want to judge our ignorance. Mm. So um, go gently, you know, and be open with an open heart and an open mind. And, and you will find organizations in your community where you can volunteer. Mm. Don't come in big like I can come in big sometimes, you know, or whatever, but be there as a, it's okay to be a worker bee. You know, I'm a problem solver. I, in some ways I'm a natural leader. I'm very thoughtful, you know, analytical about things. And so, you know, like in a crisis, I'm not someone, I'm always like, okay, what needs to be done? Right. Mm -hmm. But if I come in like that, especially to an organization that is largely people of color, that's not, that's not going to work. You know, I'm immediately going to ruffle feathers and people are going to be like, who is this white guy coming in here? Like, what is, who, like, who, who does he think he is? Taking over, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's okay for me to be a worker bee. It's okay for me to be the person stuffing envelopes. I don't have to be the person in the meetings all the time trying to come up with ideas and solve problems. I can, it's okay for, you know, for the group to tell me what to do Mm. and for me to just do it. Don, I, so I, what I appreciate about what you're saying right now is that, you know, we started out the show talking about do what you can, when you can, where you can. And I know that you've done a lot and that's why you call yourself an activist because you really get engaged. So just for our listening audience who's saying like, you know, it's great that he's saying, you know, get to know some people of color, go to some events, et cetera. But you just mentioned one thing, get involved in some organizations. What are some other things that you've done or what would you encourage people to do when we say do what you can, where you can, when you can? And, and we're going to have to take a break in just a minute, but you can, you can start before the break. What would you offer to people? You know, one of the things as someone who has been a civil rights and human rights, rights activist for decades had to look at in this time, you know, of renewed uh, reckoning and renewed um, looking, you know, examination of, of our, uh, the racism in our society. It, it, you know, I really had to ask myself, well, what, what else can I do? And I realized that there's a lot that I could do. Um, I already write letters. I already make calls. I already show up. I already volunteer and, and you know, do the worker bee stuff or whatever needs to be done. But that couldn't be done in a pandemic. Mm. There were no groups meeting to, you know, stuff envelopes somewhere. There was no, you know, there were protests going on. And of course, I, I showed up there. But um, I, so I really had to sit with like, well, what, what else is there for me to do? in this area Mm. and I realized there are probably more calls I could make and more letters that I could write but um it was a really powerful you know time for me of reflection of like what else you know what other work that I can do and one of the things that I realized I've I am very uh political about how I spend my money anyway and I've been and I'm extremely thoughtful about where who's getting my dollars ultimately in the moment or ultimately you know who's the who owns the corporations or whatever and i realized that i could prioritize black owned businesses in a way that i hadn't been before of course it's all i was always you know pleased to find one and to patronize one if i could you know but i i didn't purposely seek them out and so one of the things that I have started doing is if I go into a candle shop and I'm looking for a candle, I will, I will start with, I will, you know, when the clerk comes and says, can I help you? My first question is, are any of these companies, uh, any of your suppliers black owned or women owned or LGBTQI owned businesses, women owned, you know, I, I ask the question, my very first question. Hmm. sometimes so, they don't know yeah we, we do have to take a really quick break we'll come back and you can continue your conversation on helping people to understand what they can do where they are and how they can we'll be right back with dismantle racism hey everybody it's tommy d the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with Dismantle Racism. Don, before the break, you were giving a list of things that folks could do, um, such as going into organizations, being the worker bee, and et cetera, that would help to dismantle racism from the places where we are. It's not about being out in the street and marching or um, starting a big rally somewhere or petition somewhere it could be those things but it's about what we can do in our own corner of the world and I couldn't help but to think as you were talking that a big part of it is educating ourselves educating ourselves about the things that uh, contribute to systemic racism educating ourselves about uh, what is needed for folks of color and not just assuming that we know but really educating ourselves. And that education might be, as you said said earlier, it could be uh, reading and informing ourselves. It could be about engaging in relationships. It could be about taking courses, which I often talk about since I, I offer courses. It could be getting in there and learning the nitty gritty of racism. Because racism is a dirty thing. It's not just yeah. wearing the white hoods, right. but it's the nitty gritty. So I'm wondering, are there other things that you would offer to folks to help us to understand what we can do in our own corner of the world? Well, I think, um, you know, getting back to what I was saying, I really feel like where we spend our money is is vitally important, is critically important. Um, One of my favorite quotes of mine (laughs) is, every penny you spend is a vote. Literally, I I feel very, very strongly about this. And um, that is something that is, it's something that seems simple and small, and unimportant because of that, but it all adds up. And your voice matters, you know, even these calls and letters, we've, there are, there are numerous instances where we can see where few voices are then amplified by other voices and others, and it makes a difference. It makes a difference in how these politicians vote. It makes a difference in how corporations behave and what they do. Um, and I think that um, people get overwhelmed by that, the idea of, of uh, prioritizing how they spend their money in that way. I mean, someone might get overwhelmed by 
by the thought of asking a clerk when they walk into a store for the first question, you know, do you, are any of these, uh, your suppliers, you know, black owned companies? Some people are intimidated by that. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay, you know, that's not, if, if you never did anything because of discomfort, you wouldn't do anything because I mean, we're always just, you know, there's always a little anxiety about doing something new. There's always, a, well, almost always, I won't say always, but often um, we're doing something new with asking new questions, with being in new relationships and that's all okay. So it's, it's um, very important, vitally important to be okay with your discomfort and with being uncomfortable. Um, you're going to have, you're going to have uncomfortable conversations if you're going to grow, period. There's no way around it. There's going to be a challenging conversation for you, or you're not going to move anywhere. But again, I prioritize money and I'm going to use, um, China as an example, products from China. <laughs> Years ago, I decided I was going to avoid products made in China for political, economic, and environmental reasons. And so I studiously avoid buying products from China. And every time I'd say that to somebody, they're like, oh, come on, that's impossible. You know, how can you do that? I even was shopping with a friend once and specifically <laughs> told her that I specifically shop in this store, you know, X store, which is not an expensive store. It's a little more expensive than, you know, maybe Old Navy or some of these where you can get clothes like super, super cheap. Um, but it is not an expensive store. It's a clothing store. And um, because I could find lots of products that were not made in China. And even after saying that, she said, oh, come on. You know, like that, that's not true. That's impossible. So we go into the store and I start pulling clothes off the rack and showing her the labels. Um, it's, it's sometimes one has to spend a little more than one might on a product from China. Um, and I definitely have done that. And I've done that on at times in my life. I've been, uh, I had very limited, very limited income. One time I was coming uh, back from living abroad and had, I don't know, maybe a thousand dollars to spend to, to you know, refurnish a, a room somewhere. I probably rented a room somewhere. I don't remember the case. Or a student? No, it was a studio apartment. I had my own apartment, and I, I remember I spent one hundred and twenty dollars on a microwave instead of forty dollars, so that I could avoid because everything from China was forty dollars, right, um, or, or around that price. And I believe I spent one hundred twenty dollars to avoid buying a microwave made, made in China because it's that important to me. If it's important to you, you will you will manage it. You will find a way, you know, to do that. And of course, you can't stop shop at certain stores where virtually everything is made in China. But you can uh, you can shop at other stores where the prices are similar, if not the same. And there are products that are not made in China. So that's an example. So again, um, I have made it a practice of if I want to buy something online, masks. It came time to buy masks. We had to buy masks. I literally searched Black-owned mask, you know, companies or whatever. And I found this, this company, of course, because they're out there. We just have to be willing to do the extra little clicks and maybe spend a little more money, but not always, and sometimes spend less. But every time you spend money, you are you are expressing your values and you are mm. voting in essence. Mm. And so. Well, well, Don, we are quickly running out of time here. Yikes. So <laughs> appreciate that you've really given us some food for thoughts for ways in which folks can do what they can, where they can, you know, you can write a letter, as you said, you can get involved in organizations. You can decide how difference. you're going to mm -hmm. spend your money, which makes a difference. And you can build relationships with folks and educate yourself. So I know that there is a lot that you do around advocacy, but I appreciate that you have kept it to this, to really like the basic things that we can do. Because as you said, that there, there are ways that you get like super involved and you pound the pavement and you post online to make people aware and educated uh, about 
ways in which people of color are marginalized. So I know that there's a lot that you do, but I thank you so much for the ways in which you have just pointed out some of the more basic things that we can do. Um, is there a final statement that you'd like to make before we go today? I think I've, I've dropped a few gems in already, <laughs> you know, um, just in terms of, of being willing to be uncomfortable and, and to, and not to run from that. That's okay. It'll pass. Yeah. You know? And that ignorance is okay. There, there's nothing to be judging about ignorance. We, there's a lot we all don't know. Mm. Right. And right. there's no need to fear differences. Differences yeah. can be exciting and interesting and mm. enriching. Well, I thank you so much for being my guest today, Donald Bliss. If you would like to know more about Don, of course, you can reach out through my website, sacredintelligence.com, and we will connect you with Don Bliss. If you'd like to know more about dismantling racism, I really want to invite you to look at my site, sacredintelligence.com. There are courses that I offer on there, and I'll be starting a new one next Wednesday, the 15th. So I'd love for you to join me. Uh, I would like to invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where Sam talks with his guest and helps each of us to learn how to live our greatest life with ease and joy. So may today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest your good and the good in those around you. Know that we are all one and exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged until next time. Thank you so much. run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. McElroy.
Rogers, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.